Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. Welcome back to FCN's podcast. Emily, what are we talking about today? They were going to talk about how to respond when you are talking to someone and they say, oh my gosh, why are you charging that much? Why is your price that high, et cetera? Which I guess leads to the first question, because I feel like this is kind of a trick question, which is, does anybody actually ask, why is your price so high? Or do they just think it? Oh, people ask it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the and people walk away from services because the price is so high and so well. On. Do, but do they actually like in a? Have you ever had in a prospect call somebody say, "Why do you charge so much?" Yes. Okay. Yes, I have. Yes. And is that more or less common than people walking away? I think most, obviously it's hard to know. Yeah, they don't actually say it. But generally, people uh, like to avoid conflict when it's not necessary it's a Mm -hmm. general human trait so i think most people it they have the ability to basically uh express that they think your price is too high without having with whatsoever just by not going forward with your service right Uh, so yeah so i i think more people think it than say it but people have said it and if you have enough conversation sales conversations you will absolutely have it said as well and i think the important thing to realize with that is when a person says that that is a reflection of them and what's going on inside of them and not necessarily your pricing mm-hmm. when 50 percent of people <laughs> say it that is a reflection of your pricing and not a reflection of them and what's going on in your head. So I think it is important to realize that you, you can't be dismissive of it when people say that, but you also can't take it too seriously. Um, if you're seeing a pattern, then that is definitely something. And a pattern is a hundred is a hundred percent. A pattern is mm-hmm. a significant enough m- number that you're noticing. Um, then that is something that you want to reevaluate with your with your pricing strategy. But if you've had a person say it, don't go into a tailspin. That's not something that you want to make changes based on, even if a couple of people say it. Uh, now, if it's a couple out of three conversations you've had, then yes. But if it's a couple out of 12, 15 conversations that you've had, um, even if three times as many people are thinking it, that's still around 40% of people. And, you know, maybe that approaches an area where you want to reevaluate your pricing, but it's definitely not something um, that you need to. I feel like that's sort of a general rule. If one or two people make a comment on something, that doesn't mean you should change it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, depending on what it is, obviously, it always depends. But in general, one to two people out of, we'll say, fewer than 25%, maybe even creeping higher than that, doesn't necessarily mean, means maybe you reflect on it, doesn't necessarily mean you make changes. Exactly. Yeah. Got to get to that critical mass point. All right. Well, I think we wrapped up that question. Sounds good. (laughs) On to the next. (laughs) Yeah, on to the next. So not necessarily on to the next, but sort of related to that, when do you bring up pricing and how do you bring up pricing in a way to make it less likely to get that response? And is there anything you can do about that? Age old question. (laughs) So let's start with that there is a debate on whether or not to even have pricing on your website. Uh, we yep. won't go into that debate. Uh, I'll tag previous podcast podcasts. Yep. Yeah. We've had at least one, possibly even two. Yeah. So that we can reference that podcast with regard to going into the debate on whether or not to place pricing on your website. Uh, once we get into a sales call, uh, it is very important that you express pricing. Uh, that should you should not end the sales call without discussing pricing. And if clients don't ask about it, you should bring it up at the end. At the end, you just said? At the end, yes. Should you ever bring it up at the beginning? Uh, If the person asks for it out of the gate, yes. Right? So if someone asks for it at the very beginning, then you are responding to them. So I guess the answer is no, because your question was, should you bring (laughs) it up? Ah, there we go. And there's two reasons why you want to bring it up at the end, uh, as opposed to the beginning. The first reason is more of a strategic reason which is you want to make sure that people understand the value that they're going to get before you bring the price into the equation, right? And obviously that's going to be more likely to have been done toward the end of your call and much less likely that you're going to be able to accomplish that in the first four seconds. (laughs) No matter how good you are, four seconds is generally not enough time. Yeah. But the second reason is that it's actually better for the client, right? Mm -hmm. Again, unless they ask about it in the beginning, right? It's better for the client or the prospect because they're contacting you for a reason, right? right? No one wakes up and says, oh, you know, let's get a financial coach today. Let's get a financial advisor today. No one wakes up and says, oh, let's get a criminal defense attorney today. Right. There was a reason why they called. And when you start off with pricing, you kind of derail the conversation from the direction that the prospect wanted to go in. Right. From Mm -hmm. there, what's causing them to feel better. Because the second you bring up the pricing, well, the next thing that naturally comes along is, well, let's talk about what you're going to get for that. Right. Mm -hmm. Or they'll ask, what am I going to get for that? (laughs) Right. And all of a sudden, you're no longer talking about them and their needs. You're talking about you and what you do. Mm. And even though there's overlap, hopefully, because hopefully what you're doing is answering their needs, the way it's presented, I feel like is. So there cannot be overlap if we do it in that order. If we say, okay, I'm going to present with, I'm going to present to you what I do. And then we'll talk about your needs. Ah. Then the overlap is forced. Yeah. Right. 
If on the other hand, you go in the other direction, which is let's talk about your needs. Okay. I think I can help you. Let's talk about what that would look like. Mm. Now you're having the conversation with them from the perspective of their needs and the overlap is natural. Right. So you don't want to bring up pricing at the beginning of the sales conversation because it's just not the right thing to do for that person, right? They're probably stressed out. They probably overcame a lot of um, self-shame to contact you, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, There's probably other things going on in their head and you then walking in and saying, okay, I don't really care what you want to talk about. Let's jump right into what I want to talk about, which is my business. Yeah. It's not good for relationship. It's not good for them and them getting help because if they decide not to go with you, you probably decrease the chances that they'll reach out to someone else. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not good uh, for the, for your ability to close the sale. (laughs) Right. Uh, And it's not good for building trust. Right. So there, there's really no good reason to do that uh, other than, you know, make a, making a mistake. So we want it, we do want it to be at the end because we want it to start with their needs, not start with our benefits, right? People say, oh, sell the benefits. No, no. Start by being a human and talking to them about why they're there, right? Yeah. Asking them questions, understanding their situation, right? Then we can go into now let's transition to the product, right? Um, and I've closed business with people, right? I've had people start being a client where we actually didn't talk about the product or pricing at all during the sales meeting. The entire conversation was, um, was about their, uh, their needs. That's all we did was talk Mm -hmm. about that. At the end of it, we ran out of time and I had another meeting and I let them know that. And I said, you know, I'm going, my pricing is on my website, but I'm going to send you an email with um, the pricing information and and what the program looks like. Mm -hmm. So once you've had a chance to look at that, let me know. Um, I don't think, maybe they looked at it on my website, but I don't (laughs) think they had, they looked at the, the information that I sent them in the email because literally I sent the email and like, a minute and a half later, I got a response reply back, mm. right? That they wanted to start. And I didn't really explain anything that I did. It yeah. was or I just listened. you were a human. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that's the best strategy and that's what you want to force, right? That's right. That's not how I normally do prospect calls. But I, I pointed out for the purpose of realizing that you talking about your product and the pricing. That's an important part of the sales conversation, but it's not the thing that's going to be the determining factor, right? There generally isn't one determining factor, but this definitely isn't going to be the majority. So you have, you know, they come in, you listen to them talk about their needs. You have a nice dialogue. You present how you can help them with those needs. You say, you know, here's the price associated with it. And then after it's been a really good sales conversation, they say, oh my gosh, that's way higher than I was expecting, you know, whatever. How do you handle that then? How do I handle it? How do I recommend that you handle it? How? Let's go with both. How do you handle it? And how do you recommend, and if it's different, how would you recommend 
those of us normal people handle it. Oh, I mean, well, I hope that everyone, that this is the normal response, that this is something that everyone gets to very quickly in their process, right? Mm -hmm. And the way that I handle that is I say, I understand, right? Um, you know, if, you know, the, my my services are not the cheapest out there, I think that you understand pretty clearly why, right? And, um, you know, if this is right for you, that's great. We can work together. Um, if it's not, uh, I can refer you to a couple of places for, in my case, other financial planners, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the process that I go through. With so it sounds, sounds like you handle it similar to basically anybody else saying this isn't the right fit. It's just saying, yeah. Do you want to know I, what happens I, when you go into a Ferrari dealership and ask for a discount on the cars? They laugh at you. Yes. They say you don't belong here. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's basically just saying, I completely understand. Uh, side note, as a parent validating your child's feelings, like that's a common parenting thing, you know, your kid's super angry about, wow, you know, I understand you're really upset. And right now we can't do this. Right. Validate their feelings. Like yeah. I, that's something I have discovered. Everybody feels better when you say it's okay to feel disappointed. It's okay to feel upset. It's okay to think my prices are too high. I understand. Here are a few other resources for you. Yeah. And for me, what I generally do is I, I don't very often get that statement. Mm -hmm. And and the reason why I say I don't very often, I had someone that literally told me this oh, last week. So, <laughs> so when I say I don't very often get it. I'm not like couching it in like, oh, I don't ever get it. No, I actually right. didn't. But I, I don't very often get it. And the reason why is because I very consciously structured the offerings that I have mm. so that people have choices to choose from. Mm. Um, you know, if someone is just looking for, hey, I just want to ask someone a question every once in a while. Um, I, I have an hourly rate where we just schedule a meeting. They pay for the hour. We talk. I go through it with them. We we go through whatever analysis during the meeting that's necessary, um, and they can get that help. Right. So, you know, I very now that hourly rate is not cheap. Right. <laughs> right. So I'm not saying that I have a, hey, it's $20 an hour option, right? Really? No, no, no. Um, but the the hourly rate is definitely, you know, is one of the ways to kind of address that issue of, well, I can't afford this on an ongoing basis. Totally understand that, you know. That's or I don't want to pay this on an ongoing basis. Or I don't want to, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but assuming when, when someone says that, yeah, my... What I do is I tell them I understand and it, I can refer you to other people, but I don't make price concessions. There's somebody that I, uh, I guess you could call her a business coach. I don't know who I've followed and her, her analogy is always, you don't go to the knee surgeon who's offering a 25% discount for the month. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's valid. Like that, that, like that feels a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I don't do I don't do any price discounts. Um, what I recommend for other people is to really get comfortable with their pricing. Mm -hmm. right? uh, I'm not going to recommend 
that people do what I do because I have to first be comfortable with my pricing in order to be able to say, no, I don't do discounts, right? Yeah. And so my recommendation to other people is to first work on getting comfortable with your pricing. Um, When I do business consulting, one of the most common things that I uh, that I do is I help people with their pricing, right? And a price appropriately. Um, I work with a lot of behavioral health uh, professionals, and this is common in their industry mm-hmm. because they want to help people. They they've got yeah. good hearts, you know, everything else. Um, and so that sometimes it takes eighteen months of working together on a monthly basis for them to get comfortable. Changing the price is easy. You just update some numbers on a website. That can actually cause more problems because if you're not comfortable with it, then you're going to undercut yourself, right? Yeah. Um, It's that whole video and launch in the sales section of it, in the sales meeting section of it, of objecting to yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You objecting to your own sales pitch. And the, that's like the most important thing that you can do is getting comfortable with your pricing. If you're too comfortable with it, it's maybe too low, but, (laughs) um, but you want to make sure that you're very, very comfortable with it. So can we get professor slash business consultant, Josh's top three quick fire tips for getting comfortable with your pricing? (laughs) Uh, I mean, the first thing is really understand why your pricing is what it is. Okay. Right. It, it's really, really important that you're not just assigning a price. This is one of the reasons why I hate when people ask in the Facebook group, you know, well, what is everyone's pricing? Yeah. That is a surefire way of having pricing. That means that you are probably not going to have successful sales calls. Right. It's because- hard because, again, to validate. I completely understand why. I'm sure I did the exact, well, I don't know that I asked, but I have certainly scoured posts. See, what are other people yeah. charging? Because you want to know, you need you need to have some baseline. But it, it sets you up to have a pricing structure that is not, that is not truly yours, that you don't understand why it's that pricing, right? You You peg it to someone else, right? Well, it's my pricing because that's what other people charge. But then that creates a whole host of other things of, well, what are they providing? Are they any good at their job? Are they overcharging, right? Yeah. Um, And so when when we look to other people for our pricing, what we end up with is we end up with a a huge, vague black hole of information Mm -hmm. of why our pricing is that. And when people ask you, well, why is your pricing so high? Or just push back on pricing, which is effectively asking you the same thing. We don't have a really strong, confident answer. Why? Because we don't have that for ourselves. Because the answer is, well, because I saw somebody in a Facebook group say that their three-month program was $1,500. So mine's $1,500. No, so mine's $1,400. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. So why is yours $100 less? Or why is yours $100? Why would... Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's tip number one is... Don't ask other people for pricing, really figure out why your pricing is the way it is. 
Tip number two, by the way, I'm not sure I'm going to get to three, even though you asked for three, but I'll, I'll give a shot. Yeah. Two, uh, two good ones is better than three. Two, two good three. ones is better than two good ones and a third one that just sort of exists because I said three, but whatever. Um, the second the second thing that you want to understand with your pricing or the second really good thing with pricing is just practice, right? Mm-hmm. You have to get practice saying it. it it's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why Again, it's a bad idea to try to avoid the pricing conversation, right? And, and the reason for that is, is because you're not getting practice at talking about it, right? The more you talk about something, the more it normalizes, right? And the better off you are. Right? Can you achieve that practice through fake slash staged conversations? Because obviously one of the top challenges for new coaches is finding people to have those pricing conversations with. So how can you get comfortable with those pricing conversations right off the bat? Is there a way to kind of game yourself into, I'm going to talk to myself in the mirror. I'm going to talk to friends and family. I'm going to do friends and family sales, are better sales are conversations out. with other coaches. Yeah. I wouldn't do sale practice sales conversations with friends and family. Okay. Because practice sales conversations with friends and family, they their perspective is they want to please you. And so therefore they're going to say positive things. Oh my gosh, you are so good. I'm totally in. This is great. Yeah. Yep. Um, So I would just say, you know, have conversations about your business and about the pricing of your business and, you know, ask them, you know, what are you, what are your thoughts on the pricing? Right. Because they're going to give you all sorts of thoughts. You Mm -hmm. will have two groups of people the group that totally supports you no matter what, even if your idea is a dumb one, and the group uh, that will that think that their value to the world is to find fault in others <laughs> and uh, will tell you how horrible it is. The, the group who, whose opinion is you're amazing and you're awesome, and the group whose opinion is my opinion is amazing, and I'm going to share it with you. Yes, yes. And those people that give you that negative feedback, they're wrong, but they're valuable. Mm-hmm. Because they force you to deal with that kind of rejection around your pricing, mm-hmm. right? And it helps normalize it. Um, the third thing, I'm going to get to a third thing. So oh. third thing is just practicing having an abundance mindset instead of a scarcity mindset. That's this an upcoming is, podcast episodes, by the way. Yes. We talk about scarcity mindset as a business owner. And, and that is exactly it. where I was going with this, which is... Um, most people who are starting off in the finance and most entrepreneurs as well, but, but most people who are starting off in the financial services industry and especially financial coaches, uh, they are huge hypocrites, (laughs) massive hypocrites because they will jump in immediately and talk about how clients need to have an abundance mindset and the scarcity mindset is problematic and so on and so forth. And then they will run their entire business from a scarcity mindset. Yeah. Um, From a mindset of, you know, I can't spend money on this because of X, Y, or Z. Or I can't have my pricing be this because of X, Y, or Z. Or I can't do um, whatever, whatever it happens to be, right? Yeah. And I, I think that that's a really important thing to practice. And like I say, a lot of coaches 
um, who are really big on an abundance mindset for clients. And for maybe even personal finance in general. Possibly, yeah. Although I'd argue if you're looking at cutting expenses continuously, mm. right? That's I do think not... there's a there could be a separation between here's my personal budget and how I feel, but whatever, and here's my business budget. I do think some people segment those. I think it's good to segment those. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think scarcity mindsets creep into people's thinking far more than people realize. That's entirely possible. Right. It's one of those things that often does. It does for me. You don't realize it's there until you're like, wait a second. Why did I not? Or why did I? Or yeah. yeah. I very, very rarely have a scarcity mindset because I'm vigilant about watching for it. Because my natural inclination is to have it. And I'm constantly looking for when I'm doing that so that I can act against it. And whenever I my vigilance fails, <laughs> it always ends up being a mistake and costing me far more in time and sometimes more in money than if I had been vigilant and kept the scarcity mindset at bay. So can I write a note? for the upcoming podcast episode in about a month that when we're talking about scarcity mindset, Josh is going to share a personal example. Oh yeah. yeah I've got a bunch of them. I've got a bunch of them. <laughs> Great. <laughs> we want, we want personal examples of Josh making mistakes. Yes. And Lots, of them. Them. <laughs> Lots of them. So the, I may, I may sit there in silence for a while trying to figure out which one to do. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll make sure I give you a heads up so you can prepare ahead of time. Sounds good. All right. All right. I think that's all the questions I have for right now. I mean, I, I feel like we could continue talking about pricing forever. And we'll probably do more and, podcasts on it. If people have are in the Facebook group and they have questions that they want addressed in pricing, put them in the comments, tag one of us. Yep. We will add it. Emily can't wait to hear your mistakes. <laughs> so, all right, cool. Thank you for all of that insight. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, it also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall there if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.